between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, mass movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. Welcome to episode 20 of Mass Movement Presents, sponsored by Engineer Records. Today I'm joined once again by Tim. Of course you are, you dickhead. Who else is going to be sitting here? <laughs> Thank you for everybody, first of all, who downloaded the last episode, listened to the last episode with Mike Lewis. And it's not lovely to see we got a bit of a female uh, following now from that. Do we? Do we really? I call it the Mike Lewis effect. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, they're uh, not going to be following me or you, are they? Let's face it. Right there. <laughs> yeah. You might be a tough, but I'm so ugly. I'm, I'm never getting any ever again. It's just like, a, who's the ugly fat old man sitting in the corner? <laughs> so yeah, welcome to any new listeners who may have just uh, who may have tuned in last week. Uh, we've got part two of that interview coming up later. Was that with Mike? With Mr. Lewis, yeah. Plus we've also, as ever, take a deep dive into geekdom. Uh, we're going to be talking about In Search of Darkness, Stargirl. Uh, we're also going to be talking about the Trap Nerve fanzine from Nick Kanan. But first of all, I'm mad as hell. Are you really? What yeah. are you mad as hell about? Uh, I'm not going to take it anymore. Ugh. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore! Okay, so the death of genre in music, or the impending death. Uh, can you contextualise that? Yeah, well, okay, well there's, with the new sort of, uh, with the kids now, there's not really genres you'll see, you'll find. Right. They can't really sort of, you, you speak to them and it's like, oh, what sort of music is that? What, what sort of band is that? It's like, oh, you know, it's just music. Like, it's, there's no context behind it. I'd like to know if you're a hardcore band, you're a punk band, you're a metal band. Right, but is, it the, is, band. is it the death of genre or is it the death of culture, subculture? Could be a bit of both. You see, what it is, these bands, they're sort of, these bands coming up now who they mix their music. One, one, one track will be like a sort of dancey sort of techno number. Another might be like a pop punk. Water Park's been a prime example. Yeah, and bands like the 1975 and bands like that, you know? They're all sort of... The bands my daughter listens to. Yeah. I, I've driven it to... I drove to Birmingham to see Water Parks, right? Yeah. So, I drove to Birmingham, hmm. parked in Birmingham, walked my daughter and her mate Chloe a mile across Birmingham, walked yeah. back to the car park, sat in a car while they watched Water Parks, and then walked back across Birmingham, I took sit in a car park, yeah, multi-story car park. The night all dark. I could have been. I probably looked like a proper pervert, you know, sitting in the car <laughs> playing myself and shit. So I walked a mile back across Birmingham, pissing down rain. Picked up, got him back in the car, and drove back from Birmingham to see this band Water Park. So okay. you think there's some kind of revolutionary band? They're not. Yeah, yeah. They mix all this biddly, 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 biddly bong with third-rate pop punk. They're dreadful. Yeah, that's the sort of thing I'm on about. Yeah, and it's mm. it's killing. Like I'm all for like you know bands mixing it up and stuff. Yeah, but isn't that what side projects are for? <laughs> no, I, I don't mind bands crossing over genres and, and utilizing something, but have a sense of identity. Because without a sense yeah. of identity, you have no purpose. Without purpose, whatever you're doing is meaningless. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the way I describe music, when I describe music to somebody, it's like, oh, it sounds like this, or it's this meets this. Um, yeah. But that can't be done anymore with these newer bands. It's just sort of 
It might be though, and here's a radical theory, it might just be that we're old <laughs> and we don't get the modern world. That, that did, that did cross Because it quite often confuses me and makes me angry anyway. <laughs> and when you see hear bands like this, it just makes me even angrier. <laughs> it could well be that too, yeah. Especially but... when you see photographs of them and they've got like, they look great, multicolored hair, all that's good. But they're doing all these like twee poses. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Kind of looking at the camera like, I want to be the next Instagram model. Make your mind up. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you a punk rock band or are you posing on Instagram to get lots of young girls going, oh, aren't you marvellous? Or young boys go, oh, aren't you marvellous? And lose their hearts to you. You're one or the other. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're not the monkeys, you're a punk rock band. If you're not a punk rock band, you want to be the monkeys. Make your mind up what you want to be, a heartthrob or a musician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, don't, I want to go to the record shop and I want to go, right, okay, there's my, there's my people there, that metal section. Yeah. I don't want to have to wait. They're my peeps. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to have front record. I don't want to wade through fucking ABBA and all the rest of it, you know, all these... See, I don't mind listening to, to other music and I, I, outside the genre, but, yeah, but, you know, we kind of... For us, it's a lot different. When we went to buy, like, a, a record by a band like Agnostic Front, we had hmm. to hear about this band for a great time. We had to go out slog and then hmm. put our money down for this record, which was usually an import. Yeah. Because the first Agnostic Front record, Vitamin Pain, was on Rat Cage out in New York. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, you, you're not going to pay like seven or eight quid for you are paying like full on t- 12 quid for it. this is 12 quid back in 1987 so yeah yeah fuck me that's a lot of money you know <laughs> this had better be a good record fortunately it's an amazing record but we had to find out about things the hard way we'd have Spotify and that's I guess one of the things that makes genre seem almost meaningless because yeah. everything is there at the touch of a button everything so you don't have it. to have any sort of musical identity you can listen to what you want and you can just dip in and out and so you don't become part of a subculture you don't yeah, have that sort of I don't know, meaning in your life, that sort of belonging and, 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 yeah. and you know feeling of I'm part of something, well, this which leads to a general disparity. Yeah, but I mean that's old folks. They got to think of the old people. You know, we won that. <laughs> I am the old people. We are the old people. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we have to think about us. Well, we do think about us. Fucking Excuse me, it's like it's like over there. Oh, I can walk all the way over there by pills, by pills, me No, no effects. I did right. Okay, when yeah. they said fuck the kids, they mean fuck the kids, and I, I fuck the fucking kids. Hello, now let's move on, shall we? Yeah. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore. It's been a weird old week. We've had some really, really cool news, as in we had the Batman trailer. Yeah, uh, the Justice League trailer. The well, the Snyder Cut Justice League trailer, and we had the Wonder Woman eighty four trailer, which, yeah. to be honest, was my favourite of the bunch. Oh really? Oh god, yeah. Which Batman trailer? Did you enjoy the Batman trailer? I, I liked the Batman trailer. I yeah. really did. Um, I think the direction they're taking this version of the Batman in um, is great. It's really noir. It's really gritty, but it's more based on realism than other versions yeah. of the Batman. Because yeah. um, they contextualised and given it the sort of multiverse feel when they said, well, we're making Flashpoints so and Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman and Ben Affleck's coming back as Batman. Yeah. So there are many variations of Batman. We can tell as many Batman stories as we like featuring different Batman because they can all be from slightly different universes. Yeah, yeah. And slightly different parallel worlds. And I like that. I like the fact that Pattinson looked kind of cool in it. Yeah. Um, well, we long said, haven't we, since he was announced, we were like, yep, we're happy he's gonna, that. Yeah, he's going to be great. A lot of people weren't, but when we were. he gave that dude the beat down in the trailer I'm thinking yes. yeah, that. Yeah. I, I can I can thoroughly understand your motivation yeah. there beat him beat him beat him yes yeah. yes yes I can he's an angry vicious Batman he's a Batman who's still hurt and raw 
and starting out on his mission, he's not. This is something I do. This is this is who I am, and I'm going to inflict as much pain and suffering on you bastards as I possibly can. That's the Batman got the really raw, visceral, yeah. just uh, grinding against the system, Batman. Yeah, that's all we've got. That's all it looks like we've got. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the Wonder Woman trailer, really liked it. Yeah, really, really liked it. Looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to see Chris Pine back as as Steve, and you know. Yeah, as the original Steve, it's not like because we all, we were sort of led to believe that he's going to be his grandson or his, he was going to be his descendant, but he's not. He is yeah. Steve brought back. Yeah, and how how they're going to bring him back is okay. Let's hmm. find out. That's going to be fun. That's going to be the yeah the, the, yeah the good part of the movie. You know, Kristen Wiig, always love Kristen Wiig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything she's in, so yeah. that's just that's just the, the icing on the cake for me. It's like yes, Kristen Wiig is cheetah. Let's do this. <laughs> and the Justice League. With a Snyder cut. I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm absolutely all for it. That's probably the one I'm most excited for. Um, yeah. Out of all those. But. Um, yes, I really want to see it. I, I just want to see the original vision. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because it's going to be better than the bloody Josh, Josh Whedon. Yeah, for sure. Thing that we actually did see the two and a half hour version. When you realise Zack Snyder's version is like four hours long. This yeah. is the story I want to tell you. Oh, there's so much more to this. Yeah. You know, and the very first thing is his dark side. How can you fall out? Yeah. You know? Popping up out of nowhere, Dark Side. Oh. Well, he was in that one stage ago. It was like since then. Yeah. We've been but there. the very first thing you see in the trailer yeah. is Dark Side. Mm. You know? And just seeing Affleck as Batman again on the screen is fantastic. Because I think he was a great Batman. I think he was. I, I yeah. really do think he was a fantastic yeah. Batman. And I can't wait to see him in Flashpoint as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And then um, this week as well, it's also oh, been, shit, it's been a nightmare all week for, for people dying. We've yeah. had, so let's, let's deal with first. We had. Uh, Chadwick Bosman. Oh man, that broke my heart. That yeah, literally fucking broke my heart. Yeah. Just... So obviously, you know, I, I'd be surprised if you didn't know, but this was Black Panther. Yeah. Um, and he was thirty. No, was sorry, forty-three. Forty-three. Yeah. But what amazed me is he was battling stage three and then stage four colon cancer yeah. for the last four years. So yeah. when you put that into his timeline mm. so he's diagnosed in 2016 and he starts being treated in 2016 so in that time he makes Captain America Civil War yeah. he makes Black Panther he makes Avengers uh, Infinity War Infinity Avengers War. Endgame he makes 21 Bridges he yeah. makes The Five Bloods how you can do that when you're constantly running between chemo and radiotherapy yeah. and, and surgeries and the pain he must have been in and he kept it all below the surface and delivered one of the greatest bodies of work any actor could ever do. Yeah, yeah. Commit to Sunny Light. It's just staggering. I mean his his life is now in the world he made superheroes all inclusive. Yes, yeah. You know, there's yeah. no He was a stand up performer, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, he just, you know, and it broke my heart when I woke up outside the morning father mm. just killed me. He brought Black Panther um, to life. He, yeah. he, you know, he uh, he made that character. He made the child breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just yeah. gave him to the world. Yeah, you know? yeah. And so, I mean, the only thing I hope they do now is they don't bring in an actor to replace him. Mm, yeah, that's so awkward, wasn't it? But I think if they follow the comic books, they and make Suri the girl who played Suri. Yes, Black Panther. Sister, that would be. Yeah. That would be yeah. in keeping with his legacy that's right. the Black Panther story and that would be the way to go yeah 
I think. I um, agree with you. But it just that, that broke my heart, man. That just killed me. I think um, on, on Instagram, Angela Bassett, who played his mother. Yeah. Um, she she put it, she put this lovely tribute out to him, saying how how lovely it was that every day she got she had to get into a mindset yeah. where she was his mother, and she actually said he made that. Uh, very very easy because he's such a sweetheart and well yeah anybody who knew him or worked with him or was around just said you know no matter yeah. how wonderfully seen on screen he was ten times that as a person yeah and you can believe it you know yeah. struggling through everything he did and all that adversity to do what he did it just makes you think every time you wake up in the morning you think oh I've got a good one good job I've got this I've got that fuck that yeah if Chadwick Boseman can make that kind of effort while he's suffering like that yeah you can do anything you put your mind to yeah suck it up do your job move on do what else you want to do as well yeah you can do it that just proves the, the tenacity and the sort of all-conquering human spirit that he showed should be an example to everybody that should be his legacy real life should be yeah yeah absolutely yeah in every single yeah way and we had um Ryder Gale oh, power man. trip that was another sickener um 34. Yeah, that's right. And a bit of a mystery about it on this one, which we won't go into. Like, you know. If nobody wants us to know. Yeah, if they, yeah exactly. Allowing to pass the other, well, yeah. pass the other side, then that's fine. Fantastic band, though, man. Power trip. Yeah. Hell of a front man, too. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's no, he was no sort of. Oh, dude. Yeah. Lightweight. You know, we were talking about the guy who intellectualised everything he did. Yeah, yeah. And gave reasons for it and made clinical well thought out rounded arguments and debating mm. with, with his lyrics he was he was by all accounts an incredible front man well yeah so, I mean um, I saw him live mm. it was like kind of I was in Cardo or Bristol I don't remember to be honest with you I remember loving him and it's just it always says a lot to me when your peers um, what they say what they say when you know these people pass and, you know, yeah. and there was such an outpouring from the metal and hardcore community from all what, like even like you know uh, twisted sister guys and then right down to sort of the madball guys and because he was a genuinely lovely yeah, guy yeah 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 you know, and that's that's when you know somebody is doing it for the right reasons yeah somebody's yeah. there for the right reasons because no matter what else anybody says about him he was just as genuine person as he was yeah yeah on stage you know he is he was the real deal yeah and the world's lost a good one and finally, there was um, Reek from uh, New Jersey Bloodline. Oh, so it was a it was a bad week all around, really. I mean, you know, that was a bit that went under the radar, I think, because of the Riley. Yeah, but, uh, but it's no less sleep tragedy. Well, man, you know what I mean? Sleep well. Yeah, yeah, safe yeah. journey because you know you're gonna be missed, man. This is Roger from Agnostic Front. You're listening to Mass Movement Presents. Pick this pick up a bit then, and um, let's have a, let's have a chat about beer and what we're drinking now and what we are drinking right now, which is some good stuff, man. It's from Boss Brewing. It's called Nut Job. It's their peanut butter pale ale. Peanut butter, and it is absolutely beautiful. Just enjoying it now. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I stumbled across this with Pickens. We were in um, one of our beer festivals we like to go to because the coach tours one every six months or so. Yeah. Or rather, it did before COVID. Um, and for all the knobheads, found out about the coach and started. Oh, let's all swarm in too. <laughs> yeah. Now, where's, where's the coach? Is it's that? in Right, okay. But it's um, like a craft pub. Okay. Uh, they don't. There's a big sign of one, like no Fosters, no Carlin, no Strongbow, no Trouble. Right? <laughs> and it's. Um, they throw beer festivals, like I said, every like, six months or so. Me and Pickens went to one. And, was, and they put menus up on the table so you know exactly what they've got on tap and where they've got it and what yeah. times it's going to put up. 
And one of the beers on was this, it was Nut Job by Boss, and um, so I'll give that a try. And it was and it's really, really good off cask. It's not mm. quite as good in bottle, but it's brilliant off cask. Well, it's, it's really nice. It's like. It's really good. It, it's got so a nutty, really nutty nose. Yeah. Nutty, nutty nose. nose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of like, a, I don't know, it's kind of some smoky vibes. I mean, yeah, but it's got that real peanut butter aftertaste. You don't yeah. get it when you first. Yeah, but it's there, yeah. But afterwards, you later. feel it on yeah. the back. It sounds like yeah. that dryness you get when you peanut butter. Mm-hmm. It comes through from there. So it's got really dry, dry hot beer. It's really nice. So this was an oldie, yeah? Mm. For some bizarre reason. But I mean, I, won't, I wouldn't object if Boss wanted to send us a case or two of their beer. Yeah. You know, Swansea Company. Swansea Company. Send us beer. <laughs> the podcast. But no, it's a really good brew. So I mean, I'm I'm down with it, and it's it's light. It's not too strong. It's got a sort of medium ABV. I think it weighs in on like four and a half percent or some. Yeah, four point three percent. Yeah. And Beautiful. it's just it's more like a session beer. That it was like a summer session beer. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's nice and light, and it's tasty, and it just yeah. What's you, you don't forget it. It's been well. Did you hear about the, uh, the whole Brewdog Aldi thing that uh, happened this week? No, what's that? I, I noticed they released a beer called Old oh, y- IPA. Oh, yeah, and there's um, Yaldi, there's one that they're called as well. Right, so what's it all about? What's that? So basically, I think um, Aldi have produced a version of punk. So uh, Brewdog <laughs> was like, you know, taking that and going, oh, okay, well, we can play that game. So, they, 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 so, they, so they, they, they brewed a beer which is like close to punk IPA. Yeah, and then oh, have gone and they've they've marketed this this beer. I'm sure it's called the I can't remember the Aldi, maybe. but it's uh, it's basically looks like a it's all Aldi's insignia. They, they, oh yeah, yeah, the the Aldi IPA. I saw that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, Aldi IPA. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I saw that. This but is I, funny. I didn't know what the story behind it was. Yeah. But if Aldi had done that to Brewdog, it's just like you cheeky fuckers, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, thought it was great little. I thought it was a great little story. Though. I love all that shit. That's brilliant. Yeah, but it's like a it's like a backwards and forwards tip for tap. Yeah. So what I what what I would personally like to see, right? Yeah. To to resolve this is if the head of all the UK was to go and meet James Watt yeah. from Brewdog, in a little boxing ring, and they go batter the shit out of each other. Right? <laughs> yeah. To the right. That I would pay money for, okay? And they could sell off like you know sell tickets to it. Yeah. And all the ticket money goes to charity, and then they could sell their own beers while they're there. So on one hand you have the Aldi version of Pug, like <laughs> and on the other side you have like the Brewdog version of Pug. Yeah, yeah. How, how many beers are sold on the night? Yeah. The other people have the rights to sell that beer from now on. Aldi would be battered, and I'm pretty sure that James would train up and just like glass the Aldi fella in the face <laughs> a couple of yeah. times and stab him in the jugular. Scottish name. Well, of course he is. Yeah. He probably probably pull his pants down and slip his fingers at his bum too when he's done. <laughs> You see what they're like north of the border. <laughs> okay, and then they're going to have a track suite. Mm-hmm. We got a track by some local boys, sort of local to us, South Wales boys. Right. They're called Who the Monsters. Sort of uh, noise, Sonic. See, I, I, they've got that sort of um, late 80s am- amphetamine reptile thing going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With yeah, a bit yeah. of Sonic Youth thrown in. Yeah. And sort of like nice, punky alternative soundscapes. Yes. Cracking bad. This is called The Pattern. It's from the EP We Are Damned to Hell.
Okay, cool. So that was Who the Monsters with The Pattern. Uh, go check them out. EP's called We're Damned to Hell. They're on Bandcamp, Facebook. Hit them up, buy the record. Definitely. <laughs> check them a couple of quid, say. Right, lads. A couple of pounds. Let's have your music, innit? So, mass movement sent you. Hi, this is Barney Veer from Night Farm Death. And through my many years of association, you're listening to Mass Movement. So you've been watching uh, Lovecraft Country, which is... I have. I have. Uh, it's came out the last couple of weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. On um, Sky Atlantic, Sky Witness, one of those. Yeah, Sky yeah, Atlantic. Sky Atlantic, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Our version of HBO. You're a big Lovecraft uh, fan anyway. Of his work, yes, not of the man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of his work. <laughs> of his work, not of the man. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think about Lovecraft Country? It's brilliant. I mean, the show starts off, first five minutes, you've got this sort of weird dream fantasy that involves Cthulhu, Dejah Thoris from Cartoon yeah, Mars, the yeah. whole Princess of Mars, and Cthulhu and Jackie Robinson, all thrown into one thing wow. whilst US soldiers are waging the Second World War all around it. Is it like Joe Castle Rock or is it Stephen King? Mm-hmm. Is it that sort of vibe? No. It's not, is it? Where no. like Castle Rock was like looking at his old characters and you'd see other characters within no, the it's, Stephen it's, King it's world. No, sort of, it uses um, Lovecraftian mythology to uh, highlight and extenuate the racism that was inherent in American history. Oh, okay. Um, it, and it's just wonderful. It starts off the, the first episode where the dude who's estranged from his father looking to go and find his father who has, receives a letter off his estranged father and he goes seeks out, goes off to find him and he, um, he goes off with his uncle and a childhood friend and they travel because they're black and they're travelling through like 50s America. Okay. They've got to follow like the little safe books the, the little green book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they've got to venture into what's called Lovecraft Country right. because they're all massive pop fans that the, the young Colin and the dudes who are fans they're huge pop fans so they identify New England as, as Lovecraft Country so they venture from where from Chicago into to New England it's just wonderful about them trying to find Jack this guy's father dad and how Lovecraftian horror is real in this context and so they stumble across the supernatural and they become inveigled in this sort of weird plan yeah uh, Plus and shine. This is great. It's 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 like pop horror. Nineteen thirties pop horror, bit large on the big screen. Yes, it's, like, it's just Lovecraft and pop horror and large on the big screen. It, on the small screen, it's fantastic. It's really good. Two episodes. Really two episodes. There's two episodes so far. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it? I think it's either a ten or a twelve episode arc, and it's just really, really good. I'll really involved. Yeah. So we'll check it's JJ sort of Abrams and Misha. Somebody else. Oh damn. Yeah. I think it's the dude who wrote Watchmen. Oh, it was involved with Watchmen. It was brought brought it to the yeah. Film. Oh, I know you. Mean. Yeah, it's just wonderful from beginning to end. Absolutely. You don't necessarily have to be a Lovecraft fan. No, you don't have to be a Lovecraft fan at all. Yeah. Oh, a fan, rather, a fan of Lovecraft's work. Well, yeah. of HP Lovecraft. We have to reiterate that. Yeah, because he was a dreadful old racist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got a story about a Lovecraft that's going to make it up. Anyway, so okay. I've got a friend who shall remain nameless. Yeah. Who has not read any Lovecraft. Okay. Okay. So he went out and got himself a big old Cthulhu tattoo. And without knowing anything about the dude, had H.P. Lovecraft tattooed on his arm as well. Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's got Lovecraft here. He's got Cthulhu there and sort of uh, the gates of Relay and... Yeah, yeah. House. It's a beautiful piece. It's just stunning to look at. Yeah. But right in the middle of it, there's old Howard Phillips, right there, right? <laughs> and I just think it's like having Hitler tattooed on Yeah, <laughs> it really yeah. is, you know, because, uh, because I guess because he didn't know anything about Lovecraft, Yeah, he thought it'd be fine to put it on your arm, but to me it's just like, you know, 
Yeah, it's just like tattooing it on yourself. It's, it's, it's awful. <laughs> oh you know? dear, dear. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I'm not naming names because it's just dreadfully embarrassing for him. <laughs> if I was him, I'd be dreadfully embarrassed. I'd be having it covered up quick smart, but I'm not, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's Lovecraft Country <laughs> on Sky. Go yeah. check it out. Hello, guys. This is Johnny from Astroturn, and you are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. And um, we've both been checking out Stargirl as well. Oh, mate, how good is Stargirl? Yeah. Do you, do you like it? I love it. Right. Um, yeah. it. First 15 minutes, I thought it was a bit, oh, come on. It was like going a bit into sort of like the, the typical teenager. In... So you what, you did not love that whole JSA intro, that first five minutes where the JSA are battling for their lives. Oh, no, that, that was cool, yeah. yeah. And then, so yeah, it shows you like the, the backstory almost yeah. of where the staff ends up, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then when it switches then to the girl, Right. I thought, oh, that's what's just a cool. so it's like, oh, I can't be teenage because it's a teenage girl. I don't know yeah, yeah. a teenage girl, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, they go through the, anyway, every, for the next 15 minutes, they go through every sort of teenage movie cliche. Yeah. But then, yeah, again, it just picks straight back up. But that, you, those cliche, they use those cliches for a reason, because those cliches work. Yeah, I understand. Those that, stereotypes yeah. absolutely work. Yeah. Um, and they exist. So, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, of course they do. Yeah, that's, yeah. And, and that's what makes them cliches and stereotypes because mm. they play to the norm yeah 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 but once um, she sort of the girl discovers the staff and everything um, yeah that's where it really starts to pick up well it follows the sort of stars and stripe comic book storyline to a to a letter to a T it's just absolutely in keeping with that yeah and I like the fact that you know Luke Wilson is, is, is yeah yeah it, you can, I don't know where stripesy I don't know where, I don't know where uh, Luke Wilson stops and Owen Wilson starts. It's like well, no. To be, to be fair, right? My daughter and her mates are big fans of, of Owen Wilson. Really? Yeah. Don't ask me why. Right? That's weird. I don't get it because it's just like wow. And I thought I really did for those sofas on the TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And got behind him with that. But at the Wilson brothers, I think the talent all went to Luke. Yeah, I agree with that. And he really is the sort of driving force behind Star Girl. He's the one that gives it. Heart and yes. gravitas. Yeah, he's not the trying group? to replace the father, is he? No, no, no. But you know, he is gives Courtney, the girl playing Courtney, hmm. enough room to sort of start finding her own feet. Yeah. I mean, I'm only two episodes in, so I'm imagining by five or six episodes, and she's going to be like, you know, hitting yeah. the ground running and just come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way she took out Brainwave was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But anything with a big robot made out of second hand parts is just always going to. Yeah, it's always going to win you over there. Watch me shoot my big fist <laughs> in here. So that's, that's on Prime, isn't it? Yeah, it's on Prime. Because yeah. it, it started out on the DC Universe. Mm. It, was, it was supposed to be for DC Universe, and then yeah. the CW picked it up. And then it went to become a CW only show in America, so it goes straight to Prime here. Either Prime or Netflix, and in this case, it goes to Prime. Because um, DC Universe in America is done. Yeah, that's right. As a streaming platform, it's just dead. Yeah, it's yeah. dead in the yeah. You know, and there was a lot of stuff. Because, I mean, we saw the trailers off Fandom. Um, yeah. We saw the pictures of Rock as Black Adam, you know, with his big cloak, big cloak. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the ma- massive news from DC is they fired, like, a third of their staff. Yeah. From the comic books. They cancelled a lot of the books, apparently. Um, Harley Quinn's been cancelled as a book. Aquaman's been cancelled as a wow, book. Wow, um, really? Um, yeah, well, well, this is what... I have been told, and yeah, so Constantine, Harley Quinn, and Aquaman as titles were all cancelled. Christ. Because they fired the third editorial team. Now, if you're to cancel books, 
cancelling Harley Quinn that's not a great idea because the no. cartoon's fantastic and yeah, that's yeah. really your big guns cancel Aquaman well you're going to have a second Aquaman film it's the highest grossing film you've made yeah. next to Justice League yeah, why, would sense, you, yeah. why would you cancel that book yeah, yeah. and then there's plans to make a Constantine film on HBO Max yes, yeah. so why would you cancel yeah. Constantine because it gives you know the, the, your comic books a chance to reach an expanded fan base yeah. it makes no sense to me to cancel any of those three books unless they're just ill thought out after effects of the editorial yeah. Night of the Long Knives sort of snap decisions uh, yeah and it's yeah. You know, the, the Night of the Long Knives that went on and killed all of DC's staff yeah. in their tracks and sent them off packing he's, he's going to have a massive impact on the comic books yeah. so all those staff have got to find jobs elsewhere so their first stop's going to be Marvel and if it's not Marvel it's going to be Dark Horse if it's not Dark Horse it's going to be Image if it's not it's Image it, it, yeah, it's yeah. going to be Dynamite so they're all going to find jobs in other places yeah. that's then going to stop new guys coming into this business new girls coming into this business because those positions are taken by long-standing people. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way. So yeah. it's going to have a massive impact. Mm. So the same stories are going to be told over and over again, just in a different way. So you're not going to have any fresh new blood coming in that will challenge the norm and the, challenge the sort of, yeah, yeah. And, and sort of make people push themselves harder to imagine things in a different way. It's just... Yeah, it's all thought out really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a cost-saving exercise by AT&T and yeah. Warner, and that's all it is, because they don't understand comic books, and all they understand is the IP. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, the intellectual property for the characters for, for television and film, and they don't see the need for a comic book industry to propagate the storyline. Yeah, yeah. But if you don't have that comic book industry, you can't push those characters forward into new and different directions. And without that, you have nothing to build your TV shows and films on. So it's incredibly short-sighted to get rid of the one thing hmm that can make what you want bigger, bigger. and better yeah, yeah. you look at the comic book industry as a you know it might not make as much money don't even make anywhere near the profit but you it want serves to make, a purpose it? but it serves a yeah, purpose yeah. without that without that pushing forward you don't get to make the TV shows and the films you mm. want to make and yeah. that's incredibly short sighted yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just looking at the bottom the bottom line it's a short sighted way of looking at the bottom line. You know, yeah. I'm just looking at it in the here and now, I'm not thinking about what it's going to be doing six months from now, a year from now, yeah. ten years from now, fifteen years from now. Very short sighted. Yeah. Come on, DC, sorry, Rob. Yeah. Come on, DC, rise up. Smite thy overlords at AT&T. <laughs> Cut them to pieces. Hit them with some hammers. <laughs> you and your hammers. Oh, I love a hammer. Hi there, this is H from Acid Rain, and you are listening to the Mass Movement Podcast because you're a sensible clever, smart individual. All right, so I'm another track then. These are off the Engineer Records. They're called Death of Youth. Suburban Dystopia 10-inch is out now, and this is called Faded Nostalgia.
Okay, so that was Death of Youth with Fading Nostalgia. Uh, it said there's Suburban Dystopia 10 inches out now. Go to engineerrecords.com and pick that up now. Woo! Woo! Fanzines, we love a fanzine, don't we? We do love a good fanzine. We come from the era of fanzines. Yeah, it's like inks in my blood, mate. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And thank the Lord for Nate Kanan. <laughs> oh, mate, yeah. We do love Nate. We do, yeah, yeah. He's, so he's, he's put out Trap Nerve fanzines. It's available now. I can't say enough good things about it. I really, really like it. Yes. Yeah. It feels like a proper early 90s zine. Yeah, yeah. That it's a combination of incredibly personal, emotive writing mm. and really, really well written with some astute interviews with bands that, you know, we adore. Yeah. I mean, I'm not as big a fan of Above All as Nate is. They didn't quite strike the same chord with me because, you know, even then I was a bit more jaded and cynical like him. I because I'm a little bit older than yeah. Well, <laughs> you could you could touch your above all CD with your <laughs> old band balls as much as you like. I don't really care. So they just didn't do for me. Emma loves them. Really, uh, my missus. Yeah, she yeah. loves above all. But they're not a band that really sort of spoke to me in the same way. Yeah, I get, I get why. Yeah. But that said, we're not talking about above all. We're talking about. Trap nerve. I mean, it's just timely. Above all, in in an interview with him, it's a timely because it's a timely interview because uh, above all, are actually coming back, so reprinting this. Yeah. uh, You know, sort of rejigs. Can introduce yeah, can sort of introduce new people to him. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's interviews with bands and Moloch, Maniac. Seconds out. Damn, man! There's some some awesome (laughs) stuff in there. It's just a really good thing. It's it just it it captures a moment in time perfectly. This is what a punk rock scene should be. Yeah. Right, a good hardcore scene it just mixes the personal with music and it gives you an insight into Nate's personality yeah yeah very much so um, and the dude really wears his heart on his sleeve you know yeah, I, mean, well, I, 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 I like him a lot because he, he's got the same sort of misanthropic mindset as I have he's <laughs> more nihilistic than your average hardcore kid um, and he doesn't he knows that the real world is an awful place well, he's a bit like me. He's more a nineties hardcore kid. Yeah, I mean, you have to come from somewhere, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bastards. <laughs> so yeah, this I can very much uh, you know appreciate a lot of this. Uh, you mean there's bands like you mentioned like Withdrawn, you know, his own band King, and yeah, uh, all amazing bands of that time. You know, Earth Crisis. But these are the bands that led you into down the, yeah. down a darker hardcore alleyway, if you like. You know, yeah, you I arguably came from a metal sort of background um, most hardcore and punk people do you know we all come from a sort of metal background anyway and we find it through a different route I wanted darker metal and darker yeah something a bit more punishing sounding but and then, so was it, I mean Trap Nerve feels like it was it's one of those zines from that time where, yeah you know if you'd picked up like Fracture Fracture would give it a ton of shit yeah where they say oh, well, it's all about metalcore it's all about because it's not about what we what we enjoy you know? yeah, yeah and that's why I like it because it's kind of kicking against the pricks even in like the punk rock scene yeah it, it kicks against the idea that you've got to be this or you've got to be that it does its own thing it yeah. charts its own course so you know it's like another good example is our core like, Welly has always followed his own path and yeah. done his own thing regardless yeah. and it's always been fucking brilliant always been brilliant and Nate's doing that as well. And you, you know, if you don't buy it, don't, don't fucking wander into W. Smiths and buy like down to nothing or whatever. Get online, find Trap and Nerve, buy that. And I believe all the proceeds are going to charity as well. Yeah, from now on, all the money that's been made from Trap and Nerve, yeah. any profit that's made is being, and all, all the money's actually being raised from it at all. 
is going to Riley Gale's trust oh, charities. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah. So you know, Nate, Nate's one of the good guys, man, and he is. Yeah, yeah. There's more punk rock in one page of this than in any in yeah. supermarket rag magazine you'll ever come across. Totally agree. More spirit, that. more energy, more attitude. So get online. Just all you got, all you got to do is get in your little computer, type yeah. track no fanzine in. Into the Google box. Into the Google box <laughs> and it'll take you straight to Nate's site yeah. and buy it. Just, just buy it. Best couple of quid you ever, you'll ever yeah. spend. Absolutely. Yeah, Hello everybody, this is Igor Cavalera from Pepric, Cavalera Conspiracy, and you guys are listening to Mass Movement Podcast. Okay, switch up a little bit. I've been watching this uh, documentary. It's called In Search of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, if you like 80s slasher movies, those, you know, VHS movies. Oh, I love them. Well, tell us about it then. It's... T- tell me, right? Yeah. Why In Search of Darkness is worth me paying an extra five fucking pounds a month to Amazon Prime. If you love all those video nasties I do. VHS, um, this is probably the most in-depth documentary I've ever seen on that entire sort of generation of... Like those eighties movies, like you know, it's okay. It's from a, from the era where you know you you remember walking into a video, your local video shop, yeah, and it'd be all sorts of like you know cases popping up. The movies weren't that bad, weren't that good, but the the imagery. I do I, was, I, I do like a lurid VHS box, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and the more lurid the better. <laughs> and the closer it was to the top shelf, the more I wanted <laughs> to see it. So admittedly, that's a thing for me. As any it is for any kid from the eighties. I mean, all the main players from all all, the, all those franchises, they're all in, in the documentary. It's it's four hours long, so it kind of tells you how, how well in depth it is, and they cover every aspect of all the. And it's not just the the obvious ones, like the Jasons and the, you know the Halloweens and the, you know that sort of thing. Right. So it moves into like Gallo cinema, Italian Gallo cinema. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. Dario Argento. Yeah, it goes through all, through all those, and like you know, even the lesser, the low budget, schlock horror ones, like you know. Uh, even goes through all those, yeah. you know. But it's honestly, it was like four hours just swept by. We we were just watching it, it me and my wife, mm. and uh, it was absolutely brilliant. Honestly, I can't, I can't recommend it enough. If you're into that, it's essential viewing. See, I am into that. Yeah. Okay, but I don't. Four hours is great. Yeah. If, if I could split it up into like an hour long section, so if we say yeah, like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. the toys that made us, something like that. Yeah, which is yeah. A perfect way to look, and you separate it into like functional. Yeah. Parts. So. Part one is about this part of the genre. Part two is about you know, part one is about cover artists and the impact that they had upon the video yeah, yeah. market. Part two is about the kings of schlock. You know yeah. how much gore can you one man take? Part three is about actual storytelling within the genre and using subtext to make a point. Yeah, yeah. And part four is about the king of horror or, or, or the queen of yeah, horror, yeah. something like that. If they'd done it that, if they made it that way, I'd be like. Yeah, I might do it, but to just cram it all in. I get the feeling that somewhere it was released separately right. because it does take that sort of. Um, right, so then it's yeah. edited together yeah, to yeah. form this release on this channel, right? So the first one give would it be to like, me in the original context. Yeah, I'll put it on Netflix. I'm sure you could sell it to Netflix and make yourself. I'm, a I'm sure they would. Yeah, a couple of bob. Right? I mean, there's some big line actors po- on there, like you know. Well, um, line your pockets. Yeah, walk away with a bit of cash. You know. Yeah. And give the V sign to Amazon. Get some hookers, get some coke, and then dream <laughs> of your next story. You know. What's your favourite um, 80s horror? 80s, 80, 80s slasher. 80s slasher film. Yeah. That will be the exterminator. Okay. If you're lying, I'll be back. Because that's a proper grisly diehard. Yeah, yeah. Chuck the dude through the mince. You grind <laughs> yeah. film. 80s horror flick. Jeez, now you're asking. Evil Dead Two. Yes. Good 
Uh, not Evil Dead, because Evil Dead's fine. But Evil Dead 2 is just something else. It's next level, isn't it? Yeah. On, on That's Sam Raimi everything. thinking, you know, I've got a really limited budget, but this is what I'm going to yeah, do. Yeah, I'm yeah. really inventive, I'm clever, and I've got a, as far as I've said, I've got one of the greatest lead actors in yeah. the horror genre ever. I mean, Bruce could make anything funny, yeah. and he's so personable that, you know, you could put him in, I think you could put him in anything and make it work. Yeah. And I'm just surprised he wasn't huge, Bruce Campbell. I, I mean, on a scale that, you know, Tom Cruise kind of scale. That's how, what kind of scale he should be, and it's sort of different. Sort of, I, mean, I know he's, I know he's more like a, a, a laconic lounge lizard. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. how he portrays himself. As being. Yeah, um, and he plays up to the, the stereotype of Ash and the stereotype of Bruce Campbell in the series he did, Ash versus Evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was funny, and that was. He's got he's got a good look. He's got he's a he's a pretty good actor. I'm not sure it was like he makes as sort of middling guys who ain't too pretty think that maybe we've got a chance with the ladies <laughs> when deep down inside we know we haven't and that again that's, that ties back into my problem with pornography after 1996 <laughs> yeah. because before that every bloke was ugly yeah without you know gorgeous women who didn't need plastic surgery like ugly men yeah and it makes you think you know what there's hope there's hope <laughs> Right. After 1986, there's no fucking hope. Yeah, yeah. Everything is fucking shite after that. <laughs> and I maintain that is that that is all because of the advent of videotape coming into pornography and spoiling everything. <laughs> do, you, do you have any memories of sort of like you know going to the video shop back in the day? And... Oh yeah, absolutely. There's there's a couple of video shops in Portugal. I always used to go into um, like we used to go to Orion down in Subsequent Park, and pick up films and they do like deals so you get like three for five and all that kind of stuff okay. or three for yeah, X amount yeah. of money and so we pull money and we just get like beer and pizza and all that kind of stuff and have like a day of like schlocky bad horror films mm. that you've all seen before and like bad science fiction you know? like Galaxy of Terror or The Incredible Melting Man you get them and you put combine <laughs> yeah. with like American Werewolf in London and yeah, Howling yeah. and you just like sit down and just these films are grind away. It's like pretty much like I would imagine being in one of those old grindhouse cinemas in New York with a bit. Yeah, yeah. Like you pay your money, you go in, you just sit there and you're subjected to all these varying degrees, a varying onslaught of like nastiness and depravity, you know? Okay, it's pretty much how I'd like life to be. Just being yeah. subjected to like an onslaught of depravity. But my life has never been like that, which is like a massive shame. This goes back though, doesn't it, to the, uh, the, the whole sort of we're saturated with content now. Yeah. We start watching a movie now. We, we, we see something on, say, Netflix, Amazon Prime. Yeah. We start watching it, so like, this looks shit. Turn it off, we look again. Yeah. Back then, you did, you got your three for five, you got these videos for two You're days. powering through and you're so yeah. on. That's the end of it. Like, you can enjoy them. I've paid money for this. I am yeah. not giving up on this. You know? I am <laughs> going to enjoy you, yeah. damn it, whatever you do. You know? Exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the video shop that made me fall in love with Roger Corman films. The, I, the first Roger Corman film I remember seeing was Death Race 2000. Okay, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's incredibly sort of offensive mm -hmm. and more than a little naive now, but it was at the time. So oh, it's amazing. Yeah. You get points for running people over. Yeah. <laughs> and as a teeny little kid who was bullied to fuck like all the time, I just thought I would, I would love to take part in this race. I know exactly where I'm heading for motherfucker's house. <laughs> <laughs> running your family over and I'm jumping out and stamping on your face a couple of times. You prick. And using a hammer. Oh yeah, yeah. Hammer comes later. <laughs> Hammer's something else. <laughs> Okay, cool. So that's In Search of Darkness anyway. Uh, I advise you check it out if you're into 80s horror. We're having a track suite. Yep. It's from the, the new 7-inch. It's called East Coast. This is Bear Away. 
Okay, cool. That was Bear Away with East Coast. That's from their new 7-inch now, which you can pick up on Engineer Records. Uh, it's time for Deep Dive, mate. It's time for Deep, deep dive. dive. Deep Dive. Deep Dive. Who have we this week? Spermbirds. Spermbirds. One of the greatest punk rock bands ever. Okay. Right. Much as I love other bands, for me, the Spermbirds will always be my punk rock North Star. They are literally the band that keeps me on the punk rock path. Okay. Um, Anytime I've ever doubted that, you know, I've doubted... Um, sort of, or, or thought, why am I bothering? You want to listen to Sperm Birds and you know why. Yeah, okay. This band, the, literally, like I said, they are my punk rock north star. When did you, when did you start your, uh, your Sperm Birds relationship? <clears throat> right, so, back in the day, way <laughs> back in the day, there used to be a, a record store in Cardiff called Autonomy. Yeah. Which we took on the floor, from Marvin. So, we were down in Marvin's, and it must have been like 1987. Two other people, and he said, this is a record you've got to hear. By about what sperm birds. And you sperm birds is a great name for a band. And the record was something to prove. Some manic ears or something. An obscure punk rock label at the time. And um so on Marvin's advice, picked up something to prove, took it home, put it on, and was blown away by it. And it's yeah. still in my top twenty five punk rock albums of all time. Nice. Now, I mean, there's one song on there which is a little bit dodgy and they acknowledge and they don't um, play it anymore. Which okay. is play, Playboy subscriber. Yeah, yeah, the lyrics are a little bit <clears throat> uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. But it's written from the, uh, you know, it's the naivety of youth. Yeah. You know, it's it's just about how to ex-girlfriends and hmm. love taken out, taken out of, of, of context and just, you know, a sort of young man's view of these things. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a powerful anthemic record and every song will speak to you on a deeply personal level. As a lyricist, I think Lee Hollis is second to none. Okay. He, you know, he manages to touch a place in your heart and in your soul with one verse that other bands would take ten records to do. He is one of the greatest lyricists, I believe, in punk rock. And... Musically, the band are energetic, catchy. Mm, yeah, and, sure. You know, there's not one of those songs you can't sing along with on that record. Yeah. And yeah. that's at the blooper of their entire career. Every Spoonbirds song, you can sing along to. Yeah, yeah. It will reach in and it will just grab you and go, come on, come <laughs> with me, come, come on, sing this song. Come on, follow. <laughs> They're like the Pied Piper of Hamlin. They really are. They, they are the punk rock North Star. They are the guiding light that will take you from one place to the next and life monstrous yeah what did you like Exeter I went yeah I went years to see the Spurbirds they played TJ's a couple of times yeah and every time they played TJ's I was in university yeah or I was off working in America on 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 one of those camps so uh, we find out they're playing Exeter and this is after they've been split up for years and they just reunited and it was the original lineup was going out on the road yeah I found that they were playing Exodus. I was like, let's all pilot the car and go down and see them. When we went into the camp, there was maybe 30 people paid in that night to yeah. see the sperm birds, which I was, was shocked the crap on me because this is the sperm bird. And it was maybe four quid on the door, I think, four or five quid on the door. Bloody hell. See them. And they were just sitting in the bar. So I went over and chatted with the lovely, incredible dudes. And yeah. when they hit the stage, they played for nearly an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. And they played everything I wanted them to play and the energy was just off the charts it was just like being hit by a wall of they were funny 
but they were on point they didn't miss a beat and every song was just perfect it's one it's in my top 10 punk rock gigs of all time I love when bands do that they play equally with the same intensity whether it's 20 people or 2,000 people oh mate there could have been two people there and they were just brought yeah yeah yeah. they were just incredible it's what like I said it's one of my top 10 punk rock gigs of all time well, I've, I've always, I've always like sort of flirted with them. I've yeah. been aware of them. I've liked the one I've heard right. forever, but I've never sort of deep dive. So, yeah. like I did discography this week. Yeah. Um, I go with Sun to Prove. It's probably my favourite. Yeah. Um, but then, nothing, they're all, they're is, all, nothing is easy in common thread. They're just. But they're all bloody good. I mean, there's, yeah. there's not really. I, I, there's something to take from all of them. Yeah, absolutely. There's not a bad sperm. Yeah, yeah. There is no such thing as a bad sperm, but yeah, right? yeah. Just not. There just isn't. They are. Like I said, they might put they might punk rock north star. If I if I am down, I mean, in mo- I, there have been moments of terrible darkness. Yeah. When I've looked to bands to music to try and find some sort of yeah. purpose and meaning, and Spurbirds always one of them, right at the top of the list. Well, they've brought me back from the edge more times than I can count, and for that I will be eternally grateful. To them. They are one of the greatest punk rock bands to have ever ever got on stage. Wow, that's a lot. That's an yeah. awesome tribute. I don't think we need to see anymore. Well, that's just... If you haven't got something to prove or nothing is easy to come with, just, for the love of God, go out and buy them. Yeah. Those records will absolutely and unequivocally change your life. Excellent. Okay, cool. So, yeah, last week we got to listen to part one of uh, my interview with Mike Lewis. Yeah. It continues now. We Now we go and we sort of didn't get past uh, 1999, I don't think. Right. We could have gone on for about four hours, such was the, the good talk we were having. But um, this is the continuation of the interview now, so enjoy. Second part with Sex God. <laughs> oh, he brings the ladies to the podcast. So how did the... Um, you mentioned it just now, but like, how did the how did you get from the demos to the sound of, that was on Fake Sound of Progress? Um, what were you listening to then? What was your... You know, sort of late 90s, if you like. Yeah. Um, I think... I think... Uh, I think Refused was a big one. Like the shape of punk to come, which came out, I think in like 97 or 98, I think that kind of, it was, it was a big influence. Um, so there was, there was that. And then I, and then I think it was like mixing, um, I think bands like Glassjaw were starting to come out yeah. at that point. Yeah. Um, and and I think mixing those kind of bands, like Refuse, Glassjaw, um, like Snapcase, and those kind of more kind of, I don't, I don't know, whatever you want to call them, post-hardcore bands or, or yeah. whatever they were, I think mixing that with um, the kind of, like bands like Incubus. Yeah, yeah. And that, and that whole kind of scene um, really... Was I, I think that was kind of like the, the kind of the catalyst for the change yeah. into like the, the, the fake sound days where you were trying to like you know I don't know do something a little bit different but like bringing in kind of like all of these influences I think I think also like Stu joining the band was like a big kind of catalyst for that as well you know just kind of bringing his whole thing and you know. Gazy was like the the main songwriter at that point, like mm. writing a lot of the music and stuff. So I think it was just this kind of like natural progression into doing something a little bit more. You know, when you look back at those first 
demos, they were definitely just, you know, with a lot of fucking around on <laughs> just like, I don't know, trying to figure stuff out. And then I think going into, into like the fake sound demo, what we did, um, was definitely like a band kind of taking themselves a little bit more seriously than yeah. those first two demos. Yeah, yeah. I remember those early days with, um, you know, staying over with Julia, Visible Noise and all that. That was just sort of like, yeah. yeah it was a, it was, it was just a, I don't know, it was just like the Wild West, wasn't it? You were just trying to, I think at that point you were on the verge of a deal, weren't you? Well, I think, yeah, I think like the bigger, the, one of, one of the big turning points for, for us was that we put on, um, you know, I think we were just, we had, we had kind of stopped playing, um, around, like as we were kind of working on that demo, Mm. Um, like the, the 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 fake sound demo, um, we kind of just stopped playing any gigs or anything like that. Yeah. I think we were just kind of like, okay, cool. Like let's, like I say, like we kind of transformed into more of like a, taking ourselves seriously at that point. Yeah. And so it was almost like, okay, cool. Like let's go away and like hone these songs and try and like do do this properly and then I remember we we were kind of we we were kind of putting on a bunch of shows in Cardiff at that time and um I put on that band um Riftone Night oh yeah yeah Cardiff yeah and um it was supposed to be the show was supposed to be a bogeys and um it was Riftone Nine Lost Profits um, Project Pigeon. Oh my I god! Remember. Yeah, and I think it was Trip Cage. Um, yeah, yeah, around that time. Um, and and the the, the show was supposed to be at, at um at Bogies, and <sighs> my dogs are barking. <laughs> um, yeah, the show was supposed to be at Bogies, and and um. It was when Bogies closed down, so it was it was, but we did, but they didn't tell us. So I remember calling the infamous Dungeon Master, like, <laughs> the, like the day of the show, and I was like, "Hey man, are we all good? Like you know, load in around three. And he was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, we got a we got a gig there tonight. Like you know, it's been booked to place for you know months ago." And he's like, "Oh, there's there's." We're, we're closed. Like, it's all done. Like, there's oh, no man. PA here. There's no stage, anything. Like, fuck, man. Like, Earth Tone 9 were on their way down. You know, everyone was like, you know, this shit. has been kind of, and, and, and for us, like, Lost Profits, like, this was like, okay, shit. We've been, you know, writing these new songs. We, at that point, we had, I think it was that night we were going to, you know, kind of release, like, that, the fake sound demo. Yeah. Really. And, and it was like, five song demo I think like a four song demo and um, so it was all planned and like uh, and bo- bogeys closed down so I remember calling the the Welsh club and at that point in time the Welsh club weren't re- didn't never really put on like any metal shows or punk shows or anything like that they were always like indie super shows, indie yeah. you know like yeah. if, you were, if you were an indie band you'd get a show at the Welsh club no problem but very like, much so yeah 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 they were very, like 
And, and I remember calling up the Welsh club and explaining the, you know, the predicament to them. And, uh, and they were like, yeah, no problem. Yeah, we're free tonight. We can, we can do the show here. And I remember being so blown away, even just the fact that like, oh my God, we just got a show at the Welsh club, which was like, you know, <laughs> unless, unless you were indie or drummer bass, you, you, you couldn't even get in there. Yeah, yeah. And, and just the fact that like, you know, we managed to pull it together. And I remember that night just being like, like really kind of a, a turning point for us as a band, like, like playing, you know, getting the demo out, playing that, that, that first, that first gig then with kind of like the new songs and the new sounds and like the new kind of, yeah. um, direction almost. And then from there, yeah, it was like we started going up to, up to London then and doing stuff with Julie and yeah. uh, kind of, really kind of took off from there really yeah yeah I mean he just exploded I mean it was crazy he was just it was just one thing after another yeah yeah that was when I look back to that to that time it was just just mental you know and and yeah there was no really other no other like UK bands really kind of paving the way for us really you had some of those like I say like Earth Tone 9 were, were doing doing pretty well and you had like A yeah. and Pit, Pit Shifter and yeah. we went on tour with Pit Shifter. Was it Breed um, 77? Yeah, yeah. Those, yeah those, like that, those, One Minute Silence. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember who else was on that Pit Shifter tour. <clears throat> um, but yeah, we, we did, I ended up doing a couple of, couple of those tours and then it was like, it was, um, the first, oh yeah, the first LP tour we did was with Kill to This and Breed Seventy Seven. At the end of at the end of at the end of, um, of, of two thousand. Yeah, and that's then right. and then just just as when we were we were releasing Fake Sound, and then two thousand one onwards, then it just kicked off big time. Yeah, that's right. That was that was it. So going, moving on a couple of years then, and like. Um, so there was a lot of bands sort of similar to what you were doing by this point. And they seemed to sort of um, look further backwards for inspiration. And bands like, I mean, you guys, I know you guys started embracing music like The Jam and Duran Duran, The Police, that sort of thing. How did that come about? I mean, it was always probably in your DNA somewhere, but it just sort of popped out, out a bit more, I suppose, yeah? Yeah, I think so. I think it was like, I think as you get older you kind of end up like going way more back, right? Like, mm, and yeah. I think that's what ended up happening to us. And for me specifically, I think, you know, you kind of like, you kind of go back to like either music that you were listening to as a kid or like, well, what bands like influence bands that were, are around now, you know? So we ended yeah. up going, I ended up going back and getting really into like, yeah, the jam, the clash, and like, yeah. All of the, or like that whole era and just all of those kind of like pop bands around then as well, you know? Yeah. And, and I think like that was like a big uh, influence on kind of the, especially like the vocal melodies and like that sort of thing for us. Yeah, yeah. I remember around that time uh, you played the uh, kind of international arena and this is the first time I'd seen you uh, in a few years. And you came out to say hello, like, and then um, you had like these pointy white shoes on. <laughs> and I remember saying to you, "Oh my god, Mike, the fucking the Mike of '97 would kick your ass." 
yeah. I think uh, I think I probably went through a bunch of phases at <laughs> that time where yeah. the previous mic would have kicked my ass <laughs> at some point. I'm still stood there in my baggy shorts, like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of that for me was like, man, you get, for, for me, I started obviously, you know, you travel a lot more and then you just get exposed to so many more, I, I, like, just so much more in terms of, ever, like, more of everything, right? Like, yes. I was just, you, you can't just in terms of culture in general, whether course, it's yeah. like music or fashion or food or yeah. you know, whatever it is, right? Like when you, up until I, we really started like traveling, you're, you're so bound by just, you know, I love Ponty and I love Ponty for what it is. And, yeah. and I'm so grateful that I grew up there and I'm so grateful that I grew up in Cardiff and, and around that whole scene. But it wasn't the most cosmopolitan of areas, especially no. in like the mid to late nineties, you know. Definitely. So like the minute you start going up to London or Manchester and like you know and start traveling everywhere, you just get so exposed to all of these different, you know, very much so, yeah. inspirations. Yeah, you know whether it's even music, you know, and then all of that shit just ends up inspiring you musically as well, you know. So it, it's. Like, I've always kind of, you know, what has been the biggest inspiration in my life, I would say, you know, it still has to be travel. Like, I think, and I think that goes for, like, everyone. You always, like, society in general, right? Like, you you know, if you stay in your little bubble and you, your safe little bubble and with the people you know, then, you, you know. You're, you, not, you're not seeing anything. You're not seeing no experience and stuff. And I feel like, you know, not to kind of go too deep into this world, but it's it's really unfortunate because you see a lot of people who, well, obviously there's a lot of hate in the world right now. Yeah. And a lot of that hate comes from people who are so isolated in their own, like, little bubbles. And they're not willing to, like, see the world for what it is, you know? Yeah. And then, so... It's, it's, I totally agree with I, you, yeah. I think... I think, you know, you've got to go outside, whether it's going outside your comfort zone or whether it's embracing what's outside, you know, I think that for me, especially as a parent, you know, I mean, you're, you're a parent too, you know, that's what you kind of want for your kids as well growing up, you know, it's like you want them to experience every culture in the world, you yeah. want them to, to, to become a rounded person, to take, to, to take it all in, yeah. you know, and then I think that just makes people just, just makes people, you a better person. You know, exactly. So, yeah. yeah, I agree entirely. It's yeah. A little bit of a sidetrack there, but I think it's uh, no, no, it's, it's relevant. Yeah, it's, it's, it makes sense. But for me, it was the, it was the 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 biggest inspiration in my life was just starting to travel and yeah. seeing out, seeing outside of, of of kind of South Wales for the first time. I mean, a lot of the bands that were coming out then as well around that time, so the Strokes and bands like that, they were all very influential on on bands at the time, weren't they? As far as music and you know, sort of fashion sense as well. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I and, and yeah, I think I think in in general, like anything, like that was such an exciting time. Yeah, I it think, was. for 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 everything, you know, as well, well music in in particular. But yeah, I think just 
just, yeah, that was just such a good time. Were there any bands you played with or witnessed sort of during the, that whole time that you that completely blew you away and made you think made you think about your style? Was there any band you really thought, man, I want to do something like that? <laughs> um, try, I, I, I think um, I'm trying to trying to think. It's um, a good question. I think I think for me, like I remember. Um, I think I they had long broken up by then. Mm. But I remember, and, and uh, we had we had seen them. We saw them. Um, in I remember we I think refused probably. Yeah. Um, okay. In terms of like, in terms of a band for me around like that kind of summed up what like a uh, uh, what. A, what a band I would want to sound like, you know, um, where those last two refused records, you know, were were just, um, well, they've they've done more records since, but Mm. those last two, last two records, they, they did, um, Shape of Punk to Come and Rather Be Dead and, you know, that whole, that whole era of refused. Yeah. I think really kind of summed up what, and kind of, I, well, it kind of blew me away. Yeah, and then yeah. I always remember, you know, we went to, do, do you remember going down to see them at Skate and Ride in Bristol? Yeah, man, yeah. played at that place, like, tiny room with about 40, 40 yeah. people. It was insane, um, it was insane. <laughs> I think Inkadaga played that show too. Yeah, he did, yeah. I, I couldn't and, remember uh, if the Hughes played this scene, but then... Yeah, um, so that, like, Incredible, yeah. like incredible night. But um, I think I remember going. I remember refused put out like a DVD. I think it was in like the mid. I think it must have been around like 2006. And it was just as we were touring, uh, like Liberation Transmission. It was around that time. Yeah. And for me, I remember watching like this refused DVD, and we'd seen them. And obviously, like. They were a big influence on us as a band and an influence on on me. And I remember seeing that DVD and thinking, like, man, that's 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 the fucking one right there. Yeah. Like just just like just like that like the band in terms of like musically, stylistically, just like even like politically, just everything yeah. like like the things that kind of like resonated with me. You it, know, they and they played music. Also coming from like the same place as us in a way as well, you know, like yeah. for me, like as somebody who kind of the metal kid and the hardcore kid, but now in like a more in like a more mainstream band, but still had those kind of um, same kind of like punk ideals as what I kind of had when I was a little younger, but still kind of tried to like hold myself true to those yeah to to that ethos. To me, that band was just like, yeah, man, this is that's one. And they didn't look like a, the, the hardcore stereotype either, did they? They just broke all those uh, all the molds. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember going to see them. You, you know, uh, when we went and saw them at that show in Bristol, I remember we were skating with them on the on the half pipe uh, there, that little that little mini ramp before the show, and I remember Dennis looking like he should have been in suede. Yes. And I was like, like, probably 
literally the same thing as what you saw me in my fucking white shoes. You yeah, know? yeah. I was like, I was like, what? Like, what? Like, look at these, look at these guys. You know what I mean? And they look like they should have been, yeah, like suede or, you know, some sort of like rip pop band. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And then they went on stage and fucking just yeah. blew us, you know, blew us away. And, um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, it was that, like that to me is a is a band at that time that really kind of like summed up like my vibe. Cool man. So a few years later now, then around uh, well about ten twelve years ago, I, I think I I mean I may have dreamt this, but I'm not sure. I'm sure we had a conversation where you said you were jamming with somebody in a hardcore band. Is that true? Okay, I remember being. I remember speaking to somebody or something, um, or you were interested in Germany and I don't know, or something. So that yeah, I well, I think we did like like over the, over over the years we've kind of like talked about it with like people around the way, you know, like yeah. oh, we should do a side project or we should do this just for fun and whatever. Yeah, but like you know, like me and a couple of my buddies here every now and again, it's like man, we should just do like it's just like a old school like you know like just do a band that sounds like minor threat something like nice. that you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? just just yeah. for fun like let's just get in the garage and like blast out some like you know minute minute long yes you know? yeah but you never know man i mean like i was talking to Stu this morning and um you know, we were we were chatting about maybe like doing something um I, I don't know. I mean, it's like never say never, right? I mean, like yeah. I think at this point in time, whatever you do is just it's just for fun, yeah. right? Like yeah. You, you know, it's we're all older now, and and you know, different responsibilities and whatnot, isn't it? Different yeah, uh, priorities. Yeah, I do, you know, I mean, do I see myself ever going on tour again for like any length of time? Yeah, no, you know, but yeah. like. You know, if the world ever returns to a place where there can be where there can be shows again, you know, it'd be fun to do like a couple of couple of like you know punk shows or something like that. But, yeah, going so, back you know, to Stu. I mean, even if it's and honestly, even if it's just fucking writing music for just for just fun, just doing something for a laugh, then yeah. like you know, it's still still a blast. Going back to Stu, do you love that he's in Thursday? I do. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Oh man, it's so it's so good. It's so like. Man, it's all just like all the world is just like interconnected. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just such like a small world, you know. Like even with when I mean, like even the fact that like you know we got to do no devotion with with Jeff, which was just such an amazing experience. Yeah, you know, like do, doing that, I felt like like that the record we did. Um, like I'm so immensely proud of that record, like, yeah, musically, what what we did, and, and um, so being able to do that with Jeff, and then Stu going on to yeah playing Thursday, I think was you know it was I saw them play on that first like I think it was the first Thursday reunion uh, tour. Yeah, um, uh, went to see them here in LA. They were playing. Uh, at the Wilton, like a pretty pretty big place, really, and uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome seeing Stu up on, up yeah, on stage like, doing his thing, you know. Like I'd never, I'd never, I mean, I'd been in a band with Stu for you know fifteen years, right, or whatever it was, 
and I, but I never got to see, like, I remember Stu played in this, like, really old band in Ponty years and years and years ago, before, like, Lost Prophets, and he was in this, like, it was almost like a, they, they would do, like, helmet covers and a bunch of other, that what was, was actually that? going back to the beginning of this conversation, Helmet was a big band to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and quicksand, and like that whole scene as yeah. well, you know, so it was like helmet, and then from helmet you discover quicksand. And, anyway, I, I digress. Like, <laughs> but, um, um, I, it was so fun to see Stu playing in a band, having like, you know, stood, never really watched him do his thing. Yeah. You know, or play bass in a band, and then get into, get into, uh, to see him play with Thursday was pretty awesome. The only other time I got to see him do that was when he filled in for the Bronx. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah, it was. Anyway, it was just with, with the, the Bronx. Uh, we took the Bronx on tour in 2004, and for the first like two two shows, their bass player didn't get into the country for some. I, I can't remember why the, the bass player wasn't there. So Stu filled in for the first couple of shows. Was that the Event Sevenfold so tour? Well, you took Event Sevenfold as well, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was. Yeah. So it was. Um, um, I think that was like the first start something to her, I think. Yeah, I think it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, beginning of two thousand four. But um uh yeah, it was it was awesome to see that. And then going back to like what we were just talking about, Ink and Dagger, Jeff sang for Ink and Dagger for a while as well. It was like oh my God, it just all comes like like full circle. Yeah, yeah. It was um yeah, so after Lost Prophets, obviously there was no devotion. Um so you knew Jeff before um you, did you had you met him before the No Devotion thing came about? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was Thursday was one of those bands that we always kind of like crossed paths with, but I never got to know them. Like, yeah. they, we knew that we like they were good friends with the guys in the movie life, and we became friends with the guys in the movie life. Like we'd taken those on tour, and we yeah. we we played with those a bunch, and I loved Vinny, the the singer. Like you know every now and again we'll, we'll chat now but like um, so I always knew that like they were they were buds and then we did we did Warp to a Lost Profits did in 2012 and our um, our manager at the time knew Jeff just from kind of being in New York like the whole New York scene and uh, we she introduced us to Jack in 2012, and then when Lost Profits uh, imploded, the uh, we were talking about you know writing new music and doing things, and we were talking about what we were going to do, and then we started writing songs, and she was like, "Man, Jeff would be perfect for this stuff. You guys mm. should should speak." So, and we like we hung out with with Jeff a couple of times on our walk tour. He seemed like a really nice guy. Like me and Stu spent some, you know, just you know, I had a couple of drinks with him and just kind of chilled on warp to her and then um we we were like, Yeah, okay, sounds cool and then we had so we sent Jeff the songs and he was really into them and then we ended up I can't remember whether or not he like sung on a couple of things or whether before he came out, but like he he flew out to LA. Um and hang out with me and Stu and uh, Luke, and we did a couple of like the we cut, we did 
have like I think it was Eyeshadow and Stay mm. and and those songs in in Stu's bedroom. Okay. And um, and uh, yeah, and, and kind of we just all kind of clicked and got along really well. We all had kind of this, you know. It was it was like a year, like the beginning of No Devotion was like a year of us kind of like trying to figure out what band we wanted to be, you know, yeah, what, yeah. like music, what musically we wanted to sound like, you know, like we ended up writing a bunch of songs that sounded like fucking like Stone Roses at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. Like, like we were just, and then I think once <laughs> we had written a ton of music between us all, um, you know, Lee and Jamie and, and Myself and Luke and Stu, we'd written a, a ton of music, and it was all kind of all over the place. And then I think once Jeff kind of came in to the mix, like he kind of focused the, the direction of it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, then because like it was obviously like well, which songs kind of fit into what he was he inspired by, like as a, as a singer, and then. And then we, so we kept a bunch of the songs that we had demoed from before that, and then we wrote a loaded, uh, wrote a bunch of new songs then with Jeff, and um, and that was that was the record. So you were we naturally sort of, sorry. So you were naturally sort of writing darker tunes anyway. It wasn't just uh, a product of the situation, was it? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it was just like at that point, you know, like that was really a lot of like. The, the, what I was listening to at that at that point yeah, in time, yeah. and I think also, also you know, Stu. Like I think I was at that point like just really into a lot of kind of like around kind of two thousand, yeah, around like two thousand twelve, two thousand thirteen. Really, kind of getting into like um, whether like there's kind of like shoegazy kind of sound, you know, okay. like I'm really into like My Bloody Valentine. And then, yeah, yeah. Um, um, obviously like older bands, like, you know, Joy Division and like that stuff. And, yeah. and I was like, like I've been into that stuff for, for a long while, but obviously with, with Lost Profits, you couldn't, we couldn't really do anything like that. So cool. I think afterwards, that, after that, when I was kind of like, okay, you have this like blank canvas to write whatever you want at that point, right? Like with, with Lost Profits, you're always bound by like, okay, well, what's a Lost Profits song? And you yeah, know, yeah. even though we, even though those boundaries were pretty broad at times, and we definitely went went in and out of what like a Lost Profits song was. <clears throat> when when that was gone, and those kind of shackles were kind of like taken off on on all of us. You know, I think everyone was sick of writing anything remotely like that yeah. anymore. You know, I think like Lee had lost his head with that shit a long time ago as well. Yeah. And I think <laughs> so I think we had free reign at that time then to write whatever we want. And then um for me I my natural kind of like way I gravitated towards was like, you know, Joy Division and like mm. my bloody Valentine and that and that sort of thing. So that's where you know, you know, songs like, like Eyeshadow. And yeah, yeah. Kind of came out. So, um, I mean, is No Devotion still a thing? Are you guys write it together or? You know, the guys have. Um, I kind of, um, 
Lee and Jeff and Stu, like I've, I've wrote another record. Okay. And, um, um, I, I kind of pieced out a little bit. Um, I mean, I still love to do shows with those guys. But yeah. In terms of like the writing, um, I kind of pieced out a little bit over okay. the last couple of years. I've just been kind of slammed with like other, uh, you know, um, kind of what I've just been had been going on. So mm. uh, those guys were 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 doing a lot of writing, and I know that uh, like Jeff and. and and Lee went and stayed with Stu and did a bunch of recording and um, so yeah it's it's um, like I said I was talking to Stu this morning me and Stu were shooting the shit for like an hour this morning mm. and uh, and um, yeah he was saying that I you know I think there's there's a there's a record there and like it's just trying to like figure out how to how to get it out and what to do with it yeah yeah I remember you saying back in the day, not back in the day, I mean a few years ago, like it's a very loose thing, do it when you can type of deal. Yeah, and I think that's probably the case for everyone. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, obviously with Thursday kicking back off, you know, Jeff, like I haven't spoken to Jeff in a long time, so I don't know, you know, I don't know what those plans are or whatever, but like, I don't know if, uh, I can't really speak for anyone, but for me personally, you know, it's definitely not something that I could come into. Yeah. Like, well, you know, to, to doing anything other than like, oh yeah, cool. Like, you know, like what we did a few years ago where it's like, okay, cool. Here's like a, a week's worth of shows on the East coast or a week's yeah. worth of shows in the UK and like, like a festival or something like that. Like it would be really difficult for me to commit to like anything more than, yeah, more than doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you at musically now then, Mike? What are you listening to now, mate? Yeah. 
music's con- consumed differently now, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's consumed differently now with their music. It's all, you know, it's nobody got nobody got the patience for an album anymore. Nobody just it's, everything's well, sort of one track now. Popped up on Amazon Prime recently, so I'm gonna have to go have a look at that. Oh, I mean, it's, it's worth watching if you've got like it's 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 good. It's like interviews with like Exodus, Metallica, nice. like Testament, like all of those like early '80s bands. Yeah, and they're talking about this very similar on there. They're talking about the whole like tape trading thing. There. Yeah, like, yeah. Man, they must have been so excited like at that point in time. You know what I mean? Like discovering all of those bands. And I feel like that was a little bit like what it was like for us, especially when we yeah. started. Going up to London and going to those shows, and then somebody at a show would have a distro of like, yeah. you know, starting to get like, you know, got really into like a bunch of like good life bands there for a while. You good know? Life, and yeah, like, yeah. So you go to a show and somebody would have like all the fucking good life stuff. Yeah. And you just, you know, you go home with, you know, whatever, you know, the, the Congress album or whatever it <laughs> yeah. was, you know, or. or and there was a, a trust of, element, like, wasn't it? There was a trust element of sort of like uh, you could write to somebody in New York and you stuff, you go and change your money, you stuff like you know five dollars into an envelope, send it to New York, and hope they send you something back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, for, for sure. And then, and then usually like four months later, so they were still <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I just don't stop. You yeah. Know, and, it, and it would be cool. But yeah. like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, there was something, something cool about that. Yeah, you know? definitely. And, and, uh, like I say, it probably exists still there, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not, not active enough. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so, I mean, um, what do you do with that? You've got this interior design company, haven't you, with Amber? Yeah. Uh, in California, yeah, you've got we, a daughter. Yeah, I mean, that takes up most of our time. Yeah. You know, like, I run all, like, you know, not to get boring, but, like, I run all, like, the the retail side of that. So we, we have, like, three stores a year now in Southern California. Yeah. So that just, got, like, 35 employees, and that just takes up a lot of, a lot of my time. So after all the stuff you've done, the macro uh, experience is uh, kicking in. <laughs> Do you know what? I say that all the time. Man. <laughs> I'm like, I was I was over at a warehouse the other day, and we were talking about being, you know, getting a forklift, and like which guys that work at a warehouse were forklift certified. And I was like, man, I, now I wish I had done my forklift training when I worked for macro. But never mind. Brilliant. What about um? But, what about Gwynny? Is she going to be a chip off the old uh, Lewis block? Can she learn the instruments or? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, she does piano lessons. Oh, I right. her a guitar a few years ago, and she didn't really like take to it. Right. And um, I think she liked kind of putting it on and making a lot of noise, but like you know, she didn't really take to it. But she does piano lessons, and she's she's pretty good actually. Nice. Um, she did yeah, she did playing about like. I think almost a year now. It's been a little bit more difficult through uh, through quarantine. You yeah. know, like uh, um, she does a lesson via uh, FaceTime once a week. Yeah. Um, so she's like kept it up, but it's yeah, it's not the same as like before quarantine. She would just go over. Um, I have a practical lesson, so yeah. Um, yeah, ex- ex- exactly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man. I mean, we've this last couple of months has been crazy you know between well last time we were we were supposed to do this uh supposed to do this a couple of months ago and like yeah, yeah. the day we were supposed to do it yeah. was yeah. like slap bang just as the the riot started here oh of course yeah, yeah 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 so we had, we had to cancel that one because i had to go down and put boards on the windows of one of our shops because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was like like big you know, big riots and looting everywhere. Well, listen, man, I'm pleased for you. I mean, I'm glad you're, you're happy and, uh, you know, the family's good and everything. All right, yeah, so thanks for the interview, mate. Um, yeah, well, definitely, man. Hi, this is James from Widows, and you're listening to the Mass Movement Podcast, you lucky devils. Okay, so that's the uh, the end of that interview with Mike. It was lovely to have him on the cast. Uh, lovely just to chat to him and catch up. Um, so thanks again, Mike, and that brings us to the end of the show, Mr. Kendall. It does, is it, Mr. Sanders? I got him on the brain now, and I have also taken my mic off. It's the Mike Lewis effect. It is. It is. So, yeah, um, can we shout out to him again? Yeah, why not? Let's yeah. give a shout out to Boss Brewing for that job. Yeah, um, that, was, that was, yeah. So, send us lots and lots of beer. Please. Uh, my you know, we turn up at your door with my little electric chainsaw. <laughs> Come on! Give me a further extension. Give me Can I use your electric, please? <laughs> I've got to plug it in. Oh, no! Come on! <laughs> Mike Lewis, a great interview. Yeah. David Gamage, as always. And Engineer Records. Sperm Birds for just being absolutely on point for, for longer than most people would care to remember. <laughs> 35 years. 
and counting of yeah. being incredible. R.I.P. Uh, Chadwick, uh, Reek, and Riley Gale. Yeah. And that's about it from us. Yeah. Wakanda forever, man. Wakanda forever. Wakanda yeah. Wakanda forever. Yeah, yeah. So we we'll see you next time. Yeah. Take care. Ta ta. Movement presents. Movement presents.